0: Log Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land.
1: Good evening. I hope that uh, everyone can hear me this evening. Uh, Dee and Kirk, are you guys there?
0: Yes, sir. We are.
1: Oh, good. So, all right. Um, I seem to have lost uh, Internet connectivity somehow to my computer while I was out at dinner this evening. Um, What I wanted to do uh, tonight is to uh, return to Islam uh, because of what's happening at the International Criminal Court, where the morons from South Africa uh, decided to bring a case against Israel for war crimes and uh, genocide in Gaza. Uh, it is one of the most astonishing things I think I've ever heard. And it is. If, if I were Israel and I were representing that group, I would make a, a stand and to look at every one of those judges in the eye and say, there is not a single one of you that is morally qualified to judge Israel.
0: Agreed. And, of course,
1: Agreed. South Africa, you should be eminently ashamed of yourself, and every one of your judges just to hear this case uh, ought to be embarrassed. The fact that yes. you are not embarrassed and that you're handing this case means that you are completely inept morally and that you have no judgment, which means that there is no way that any of you are qualified to judge Israel or anybody else. It is one of the most grotesque inversions of morality in history. To have a group of people operating under the Islamic religion try to perpetrate genocide against Israel, to go in and rape our daughters, to mutilate our daughters, to murder and mutilate our children, to kidnap our sons and daughters and grandparents, and to hold them in captivity, killing 1,200 of us in the most barbaric way possible, while kidnapping another 250 and holding them hostage, and this piece of shit court did not bring them here to condemn them for what they did, and you want to condemn us for trying to hold them accountable? And defending ourselves? Are you out of your effing mind?
0: I, I not agree more. group
1: of people sit there in these fancy robes with your fancy wigs in this fancy building and pretend that you have some credibility under such circumstances. You're revolting. So I really don't give a crap what you decide. I'm going to bring the case of what they did to us. I'm going to make this court watch every mutilated scene. Let's to talk about the mutilation of our children and how they were tortured. And I don't expect anyone to look away. As for Gazians dying, we haven't got a clue how many Gazians have died not a clue. We hope that we've killed some 10,000 militants. We don't know if we have that killed that many or not. And if we have, it's a good start. But as for innocent civilians, no one's got a clue. And for you to pretend that the Hamas-given numbers are real, and to have us here because of the human tragedy Of the Hamas numbers, you're insane. These are the same people that claimed that we bombed a hospital that they actually bombed and that they were using as a base to commit war crimes. And you believe them? Why don't you tell me how many innocent Gazians they can be when 90% of them support Hamas? Mm -hmm. When their children act as guards for them and spies for them and carry weapons for them. When they hide weapons under the children's beds, when they hide their weapons and they fire at us from their schools, when you have 10,000 Umrah employees who are publicly celebrating the massacre and mutilation of Jews, when they hide under their women's dresses and in their children's playroom, hoping that they're killed. And you want to blame us? This is the most disgusting group of people in the history of humanity, and you've got the audacity to call us into question? Mm -hmm. What a disgrace. This organization has no right to even exist. But I'll tell you one thing that's for damn sure. We're going to protect our right to exist. You're going to come after Jews and try to annihilate us. We're going to fight back. And you here in Europe that perpetrated the Holocaust, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You've not even acknowledged your responsibility of that. You want to pass it off as if it were the Nazis. And yet you were all complicit in it. You wouldn't even run the billboard ad campaign to say that our witnesses are indisposed. They can't come and talk because they're still being held captive as human shields by these ruthless terrorists. And you wouldn't even allow us to run that billboard campaign here in the Netherlands. I'm going to share with you a rewrite of the third chapter of Volume 1, which I am rewriting after having rewrited of Goddamn Religion. It begins, I am different than most people. I actually care about what is right and wrong, good and bad, matters. I'm judgmental, and I prefer love to rape, raising children to pedophilia, Earning a living rather than stealing what belongs to others. I avow freedom, and I respect women's rights. I prefer life to death. I disdain terrorism. I would prefer to know rather than to believe. And I have the courage to pursue the truth and the compassion to share it. I have an affinity for evidence and reason, rhetoric and logic. These attributes will guide our steps as we proceed. So I have some questions for you. Would you risk your life to save others? Suppose you found irrefutable proof that the scriptures of an immensely popular religion ordered the faithful to terrorize and plunder the world beginning with Jews. Would you ignore this evidence, or would you share it? Would, you, would it make any difference to you if thousands of people worldwide were dying as a result of what you read? Suppose you discover that the most prominent themes within these scriptures focused on pain and punishment, thievery and violence, intolerance and war, rape, and the debasement of women. Would you sound an alarm? Or would you be like the South Africans in this criminal court and attack the victims? What if there was proof that millions of women were being deprived of their basic rights, many of them bought and sold as slaves, and that countless millions were having their genitals mutilated as a result of this religion? Would that matter to you? What if this religion was supported by a manifesto dictated by the regime's founder where there was overwhelming evidence that he was a sexual predator, that he was a mass murderer, he was a terrorist? Would you have the courage the character, to criticize him? What if the oldest and most credible documents revealed that this cult's leader motivated his mercenaries to murder in mayhem by allowing them to keep the majority of what they had stolen, all in his God's name, including their victims' homes, their possessions, even taking their women and children as slaves? Would that be sufficiently concerning to risk being criticized for telling others the truth? Now I'm going to share with you a message of uh, the third surah of the Quran, as well as the 33rd, and then the 8th. All of uh, which, in the entire annals of human history maybe the most grotesquely immoral and reprehensible diatribes ever attributed to man or God. In particular, the 8th surah of the Quran, called the Spoils of War, was revealed in the first or second year of the Islamic era, AH1 or AH2. It is relevant because prior to it, Islam had been a colossal failure in its birthplace. There were less than a handful of Muslims after 12 years of Muhammad's Quran revelations. And after it, Muslims would flood out of Arabia and they would plunder the world. At the time, as few as one in a thousand of Muhammad's former friends and extended family members believed him and accepted his recitals as worthy of their attention. As a result, the nasty, never-ending argument between him and them is slathered all over the text of the first 100 surahs of the Quran. It memorializes the contentiousness between the people who knew Muhammad best and the non-profit of Islam they called him this man who founded the religion of Islam a demon-possessed fraud who had plagiarized his recitals and they were right he had lost the war of words Muhammad lusted for the day he could use swords to stem the recriminating tide so Islam's non-profit threatened to slaughter his own people if they did not relent. Slaughter them is what he said, not save them. Seeking to appease him and forestall the threat, the Qurish bribed Mohammed, offering him a decadent smorgasbord of women, money, and acclaim. The non-profit accepted the deal. By disavowing monotheism and becoming a polytheist, he immediately memorialized Petra's competing rock goddesses, Alat, Aluza, and Manat, in the Quran, to demonstrate his accommodation, all affirming that Muhammad sought personal gratification and self-entitlement over religious responsibility. Shortly thereafter, with the strong arms of Islam left out of this deal, they Complained about the reunification or renunciation, I should say, of monotheism, the fear of losing the protection of those who had intervened for him and against the verbal attacks of his neighbor. Muhammad disavowed the bargain that he had made. This, of course, proved that he could not be trusted. Making matters worse, while seeking to justify his non-profit's horrendous indulgence, Allah revealed that all of his messengers spoke for Satan. That it had been obvious, especially to those who heard the Quran's mean-spirited and demonic vibe directly from Muhammad's lips. But nonetheless, to admit this in the Quran itself, pretty shocking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now mocked mercilessly, the devil's advocate needed an escape from the torrid avalanche of rebuke that he had brought on himself. So Muhammad began hallucinating, and he dreamt that a flying donk mule, I'm sure you could draw one of those, Kirk, it yeah. <laughs> arrived to fly him to a non-existent furthest mosque in an undisclosed city where he led long-deceased Jewish leaders in prostration prayers. Then capitalizing on this change of venue, the hallucinating Muhammad reboarded the flying donk mule, and he left towards Allah by entering hell. Long story short, he awoke the next morning and attempted to restore his now tainted luster and prophetship, but he was jeered all the more. According to the Hadith, at the time, all but a few of the weakest Muslims, renounced Islam, leaving the religion in tatters. Muhammad, of course, was ever ready to offer a situational recital to cure up his messenger's credibility problem, so Satan confirmed the fairy tale of the night's journey in the Quran, making the situation worse, and has his admission of the satanic verses. Tumbling now out of control, on the ropes, Muhammad snuck out of town under the cover of darkness, and he began the kirjah of shame. Along the way, he met with some pagans from Yathrib, and together they pledged to fulfill Muhammad's need for revenge, and they promised to slaughter his kin. They vowed to wage war against all mankind. It is called the Pledge of Aqaba, and it was the first day of the first year of the Islamic era. In AH one, the terrorist manifesto that became Islam was born. All of this that I've just shared with you in summary fashion is detailed throughout Goddamn religion put in the context of Muhammad life and supported by all of the applicable Hadith, Sunnah, and of course, Quran citations. But I wanted to give you that background before we dove into the 8th surah. Bottom line is, violence isn't cheap. Like today's terrorists, like Hamas, the first Muslims needed money. And they didn't have the European Union to slather them with the money to buy their weapons. So, according to Tabadi and Ishak, the apostle heard that Abu Sofyan, a Quraish merchant, was coming from Syria with a large Quresh caravan containing their money and their merchandise. He was accompanied by only 30 men. These men, comprised of Muhammad's former friends and extended family, were going about their lives. They were working to make a living. It was something Muslims were unwilling to do. They were merchants, not militants. So Islam was about to rob them. Not one to miss an opportunity to get rich, we read this in Ishaq. Muhammad summoned the Muslims and said, this is the Qurish caravan containing their property. Go out and attack it. Perhaps Allah will give it to us as prey. While it was putting the cart before the camel, Allah announced that he was ready to endorse armed robbery. He shot 288. Allah divided the booty stolen from the first caravan after he made spoils of war permissible. He gave four-fifths to those he had allowed to take it and one-fifth to his apostle. The motivation was simply grand larceny, not religious. The historian Tabari reports, Abu Siphon was the and the horsemen of the Koresh were returning from Syria following the coastal road. When Allah's apostle heard about them, he called to his companions, calling them together and told them of the wealth that they had with them and the fewness of their numbers the Muslims set out with no other object than Sufians and the men with him. They did not think that this raid would be anything more than easy booty. So my friends are from the Islamic scriptures. These are the oldest recorded Islamic sources. These armed raiders wanted to rob their former friends and family. The non sole motivation was piracy, not piety. So let's not pretend that Muhammad was a prophet when he demonstrated otherwise. He was en route to becoming the world's most famous sand pirate. As further proof that what this attack would become, as known as the Badar Raid, that it was an act of terrorism, another hadith reports. Allah did not admonish anyone who had not participated in the Ghazwa, that's terrorist raid, of Badar. For in fact, Allah's apostle had only gone out in search of the Quraysh caravan so that he could rob it. But Allah arranged for the Muslims and their enemy to meet by surprise. It was the pledge of Aqaba to wage war against all mankind with... Allah's apostle, when we gave him our lives in submission. But the Badar battle was more popular among people. I was never stronger or wealthier than I was when I followed the prophets on Ghazwa, terrorist raids. He led 75 of them in the first 10 years of the Islamic era. Well, that pretty much sums up what Islam had become and would remain. This is the Islam of October 7th, 2023. It is Muhammad's version of Islam. It is Allah's Islam. It is the Islam of the Quran and the Sunnah. It is the only Islam. Even though Muhammad and Allah were at cross purposes at the outset of their first of many terrorist raids, both the non and his ungod would get what they craved. Therefore, the recital celebrating the carnage presents a unified front. There was no way to properly prepare anyone in our audience or anywhere around the world for what follows. This is arguably the most important surah in the Quran, and yet it is warmongering and unrelenting. It is as diabolical as it is grotesquely immoral. This is the eighth surah. First verse. They ask you about the spoils of war. Say the spoils of war are for Linie and Rasuli, to be the god of Islam and his messenger. So fear, Allah, and adjust everything between you to obey Allah and his Rasul messenger, if you are believers. The believers, to the exclusion of all else, are those when Allah is mentioned, fear in their hearts. And when his verses are recited to them, they increase them in faith, and upon their rabbi, they put their trust. Those who constantly perform the obligatory prostration prayer and out of what we provide to them, they spend. They are the true believers. For them are ranks and grades with their rabbi and a pardon with a generous provision. What he has said thus far is the spoils of war are lawful and good. Obey the messenger. Obey me. Fear me. Bow down prostrate and humiliate yourself. Submission To me, this is the faith. Act upon what we're telling you to do. Rabbi, of course, is the uh, title that Jewish rabbis have chosen to slather upon themselves because it means great, I'm great. And they sold that concept to Muhammad, and he decided to call his lord rabbi, which is why you're hearing the term. As your rabbi brought you out of your home in truth to fight, while, lo, verily, some believers were adverse to it. Imagine that. Some people thought that robbing and killing their extended family and former friends was a bad idea. Who knew? The sixth verse says, They dispute and argue with you concerning the truth after it was made clear as they were being, as if they were being driven to their death with their eyes wide open. You see, this was the first raid. The first Muslims, they were saying, I'm not sure this, this is such a great, it doesn't sound really religious to me, to go kill my former friends and neighbors and my, my father and my, my sons and just to rob them. Something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, the eighth surah was revealed immediately after the terrorist raid on the Karish caravan. Well, previously the dissension had been between a score of Muslims and thousands of disbelievers in Petra. The citizens of Yathrib really didn't care much one way or the other. But Islam remained contentious because the initial converts to the terrorist adaptation of Islam realized that assaults, armed robbery, kidnapping, and murder were wrong. Maybe they are the same people that are now sitting judging Israel at the International Criminal Court. So now to silence the moral voice of the religion and to validate the emerging terrorist manifesto, Allah revealed a new and different truth in silver and in swords we trust. Muslims were not to get all huffy over some spilled blood. Not now. In fact, with Islam's New Testament, blood would be the new baptism. And with it, a generous pardon. All of the other rules, of course, still applied. Lots of prostrations. And obey the rabbi and his rasul. Moving on to the raid itself, the Quran affirmed that Muhammad wanted to steal while Allah was looking to slaughter. So they combined interests and did both. And in death the disbelievers would be invalidated, just like this court. They would be victim shaming. If the nonprofit and ungod couldn't win the argument on its merits, they would annihilate the op- opposition. Then to make stealing and murder seem sanctimonious, Satan said that there were a thousand invisible demons helping out. It was the gospel truth. The happy tidings of Islam's resurrection. Let not your heart be troubled. Stealing now is lawful and good, and killing has become a religious rite. The seventh verse. And when allahu, by the way, allah is never written in the Quran, it's allahu, allahi, uh, and allaha. Al means the, lahu means for him. The title, not a name. And it's not Illa either, which could be the God if it was Al Ilah, but it's not. It is written in the Quran as allahu, allahi, and allaha to and for him and to and for her. So I'm not going to pretend the name's there when it's not. Right. And when Allahu promised one of you, the two groups, that it would be for you, well, you wanted the other, the unarmed one. But the one which was armed would be for you because Allahu intended to prove and justify the truth by his word and cut off the roots of the disbelievers, that he might justify the truth and prove the falsehood false, even if the disbelievers disliked it. Yes, morality was no longer true. Lies were the new truth. When you were seeking the help of your Lord and he answered you, lo, verily, I am going to reinforce you with a thousand angels, one after another, not made by Allah who other than good tidings, and so that your hearts might be at rest with it. We wouldn't want you to feel remorse. And so no victory except from Allah he, and did Allah Almighty all-wise. He was now the lord of terror and the rabbi of revenge. It was a promotion of sorts, since in the previous hundred surahs, he had been the warden of hell, lording over painful punishments. I suppose even snakes need to get out from time to time and stretch their scales, bake in the sun, and kill something. However, to believe and to follow a demented deity, consciousness is would need to be anesthetized. Quran 8.11. When he covered you with the slumber of a security from him, an inter-calm and reassurance, and he caused water, rain to descend on you from the sky to cleanse and purify you with it and remove from you the stigma of the whispering rumors and innuendos and malfeasance of the adversary and to strengthen your hearts and to make your feet firm with it. Amazing but true. In this passage of the Quran, Satan has morals. He's the one whispering, you ought not do this. Well, Allah is the one (laughs) trying to wash away the stigma of thievery and murder. Hmm. Apart from Islam, Arabs recognized that killing family and friends and stealing from them was wrong. Therefore, an altered sense of awareness assaged their souls while the rain eliminated the bloodstains, scrubbing the scene of the crime. Then this Quran recital served to reassure these marauding murderers that they were on the right side of the new religious order. The Nazis had nothing on these goons. Sure, it was dastardly and demonic to have a wannabe god sponsor a killing spree. But even that was resolved in the minds of believers by this devilish deity demeaning Satan's morality. Allah was now less moral than his satanic alter ego, and he admitted it. The consciousness of the last of the moral Muslims were denounced as being satanic whispers. Keeping in mind that Satan was a member of the Malak spiritual messengers, we read, remember, when your Rabuka, Lord, inspired the al Malakiti, the angels, I am with you, so keep firm, those who believe, I will cast al Rubah terror into the hearts of those who have disbelieved so strike them over the necks and spike them striking off all of their fingers and toes that is because they oppose Allah and his Rasul messenger and whoever opposes Allah and his Rasul lo verily Allah is severe in penalty and punishment. So taste it. And for that, the disbelieving infidels is the punishment of the fire. That's the same verdict I expect from the International Criminal Court. Let's Mm -hmm. go torture and condemn the victims of a terrorist assault. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I have transliterated the Arabic basis for Angel is that it's Meaning is derived from the Hebrew, and while it's routinely rendered angel in the Quranic translation, that is inaccurate. Malak describes a spiritual messenger, an envoy, an implement. By contrast, angel is a transliteration of the Greek word angelos, meaning messenger or messenger. One cannot rationally translate Hebrew terms incorporated into a Quranic text with a transliteration of Greek terminology. Because it conveys an inappropriate connotation. To the uninformed, mm-hmm. angels are considered to be good and godly. But as I have mentioned, Satan was a Malach, as are the demons serving with him. As spiritual implements, they can be a force for good or evil depending on who is directing them. In this case, the Malakati were reinforcing the resolve of the terrorists, while the chief, Malak, was terrorizing disbelievers. And what the Lord of Terror was orchestrating was mutilation and decapitation, the very things Islamic jihadists did to defenseless Jewish women and children in Israel, slicing off a person's fingers and toes, all of them, one at a time, prior to cutting off their head. It's all designed to inflict maximum agony and humility while demonstrating that the sadist not only enjoys inflicting pain, there is nothing the victim can do to stop it. Allah is therefore admitting that he is the sadist. The Islamic God reinforces his masochistic nature by claiming throughout the Quran to shackle disbelievers in hell so that he can torment them at his pleasure this would be what God would be like if God were Satan this is the God of Islam in the next segment of scriptures from hell we find Allah ordering Muslims to continually pursue infidels Mind you, I'm not reading from some expose against Islam. I'm reading from the goddamn Quran. This is the 8th surah, now the 15th verse, and we're not leaving out anything. Oh, you who believe, when you meet those kafar, disbelieving infidels, advancing, then do not turn your back to them. And whoever turns his back to them on such a day unless it be a stratagem of war, or to retreat to a, a troop of his own. He has indeed incurred the wrath from Allah, and his abode will be hell, the worst and wretched, most wretched destination. Infidels are to be pursued, mutilated, and decapitated. It is Allah's uncompromising an unrelenting directive. And should a Muslim prefer negotiation, accommodation, or peace, the wannabe god of Islam not only hates these moderate Muslim apostates, his intent is to torture them in hell. The message was clear. Wield the sword over the necks of infidels or incur the wrath of Allah and roast in hell. There would be no retreat from the command of Allah. Unbeknownst to most, the Lord of the Quran has an inferiority complex. So we must not only demand unwavering capitulation, but also must take credit for everything. The civilian merchants who were slaughtered in revenge for mocking the messenger were all murdered by Muslim militants. Nonetheless, Allah would have his jihadists believe that he was responsible. If a Muslim marauder doesn't believe him, if his observations and experiences recall otherwise, they failed the test. And even though they were jihadists, it's off to the fire. (laughs) Allah says, 17th verse, you didn't kill them, but Allah who killed them. And you did not cast terror or throw, which you did throw or cast, but Allah threw, that he might test the believers by a righteous trial and a great favor from him. Verily, Allah is all hearer, all knower. That and that, Allah... Weakens and renders vain the plan of the kafir, disbelievers, and infidels. The fact is, if you read these Quran citations, and you realize that to be a Muslim requires cognitive discipline. There is a disconnect between reality and the recitals. All <laughs> evidence is to the contrary of the Quran's claims. These murderous Muslims, you know, they were fully aware that there was still a modicum of morality in them, that their fleeting sense of decency needed to be expunged and washed away. Allah told them to deny reality and to believe otherwise. Sure, Allah is Satan. well, let's all pretend he's God. It's obvious that the Quran was the most diabolical book ever written. But let's claim it's perfect. As for weakening the plans of the disbelievers, they had intended, who had just intended to earn an honest living, well, that was incompatible with the new Islamic mantra. So Allah disincentivized work by authorizing stealing and human trafficking. Sure, it was bad, but it's about to get much worse. After having been immoral and delusional, Allah gets petty. The Karish had grown weary of constant haranguing over the day of doom. They had told, he had, They had been told that the sky was going to fall, that the mountains were going to crumble and then run away, that they were going to appear before Allah and be chained and then roasted alive. After being threatened a hundred times with the same painful punishment in hell, they said, put up or shut up, or a word to that effect. So while the skull hasn't fallen, the mountains weren't moved, and this was only a slice of hell on earth, Allah insisted that by slicing off some necks and by severing some fingers and toes, he had delivered on his threat. Loathing, Satan said, 19th verse. You prayed for victory and judgment. Now has the judgment come to you? So if you cease and desist, it'll be better for you. But if you return or revoke, we will return and revoke. But never will it avail. Your forces are nothing, even if numerous. And Allah is with the believers. O ye who believe obey Allah and his Rasul and do not turn away from him while you hear and do not be like those who say we heard while they did not listen lo verily the vilest and worth of those creatures as beasts near the sight of Allah are the deaf and the dumb and those who have no sense he said to the senseless And had Allah found any good in them, surely he could have made them listen. And if he had found some, he could have made them hear, surely. Even then, they would have turned away, shunning and shying away. O ye who believe, respond to Lilihi and his Rasul while he calls you and gives you life. And know that Allah, Ya'ulu, comes between a man and his heart. And that to him you will be gathered. Twenty years ago, when I started listening to Yahweh, I came to respect and love him. As a result, I chose to benefit from his guidance and engage in his covenant, making my life valuable to God. And with Allah and his Rasul, humankind is a vile beast and when forced to listen, they still shy away, shutting what they hear. Unable, or at least unwilling, to recognize that it is the inferiority and immorality of their message <clears throat> that men and women are rejecting, <clears throat> the ungod voice, an ad hominem attack and calls humankind deaf, dumb, and senseless. The Lord of Death then claims, that to live, Muslims must respond to him and that necessitates killing. And they should not be tempted then to not do so. Allah says that there will be a severe punishment for the peaceniks. Quran 8.25 And fear a trial, tumult and temptation which will not affect or afflict those who... Zamamu, disbelieve, deny or do wrong. you exclusively and know that Allah has severe the penalty and punishment. I know this sounds like a word salad, and that surely someone auditioning to be God should be more articulate than this.
0: <laughs> but it is not
1: my job to pretty this up. This is what it says. Mm-hmm. Well, this says that the temptation will not affect the disbelievers, and thus will only affect Muslims, I suspect that Allah was fang in this case. He meant to say the use of exclusivity in that passage would serve as a double negative rendering the statement and beware of that temptation which does not befall only those among you who are disbelievers to the exclusion of others who know that God is severe in punishment. I'm not sure that's any better, but there's very little we can do because unlike Yahweh, Allah is an impoverished communicator. A joke. It's a joke. Well, it's not funny. That's why I'm so angry at the International Criminal Mm -hmm. Court. As I mentioned previously, a hadith will acknowledge that following disbelievers disbelieving, swearing to slaughter, pagan indulgences, satanic admissions, and the flight of fancy, only a few weak Muslims remained in Muhammad's wavering flock. His predicament was self-inflicted, but nonetheless, in revisionist mode, the believers were helpless and quivering in fear that they might be killed before killing. So Allah claims to have provided all of the things that they had been afforded by the Jews in Yathrib and that they had just stolen. Quran 826 through 30. And remember, when you were few, that would be three of them, deemed weak and seen as helpless in the land, fearing that men might do away with you, and he sheltered you and strengthened you with his help and providing you the good things that you might be thankful. O oh, you who believe, do not betray Allah and his Rasul. Nor betray your amanat, things entrusted to you, and the duties which were ordained while you know. And know that your wealth and your children are but a trial, and that Allah, with him, is a great reward. Sacrifice your own children. They're just a nuisance anyway, O ye who believe. If you obey and fear, obey and fear. Allah, He will grant you the criterion and make a way for you to get out of your evil deeds, expatiating your sins and forgiving you. And Allah who is the owner of great bounty. And remember, when the disbelievers plotted against you that they might restrain you or kill you, or get uh, you out. By the way, there were none that were plotting to kill them or even restrain them, but they did want them to leave. Yeah. They were plotting, and Allah, who too, was plotting, and Allah, who, he is the best of schemers. That's what I want to hear about my God, isn't it you? He is, the, he is the best of schemers. The message was that Muslims dare not betray the Lord who made stealing lawful and good, and who sought to kill or they be robbed and killed. And they were not to spare their children either, for they would be tomorrow's jihadists. Allah would have his slaves believe that if they sacrificed their lives, they would be rewarded for being better Muslims than parents. Obey in fear. Kill and steal would be the new criterion. Doing good would be redefined. This would lead to a novel way to expedite one's sins. So I suppose Allah is abrogating his prior claim to have confirmed the Torah. <laughs> Satan's scheme was trifold. First, he wanted to shed his skin and eschew his adversary title so that he might be perceived as God. Not doing a very good job of that. Second, he wanted to silence the voices of reason, starting with Yahweh's prophets, such that there would be no retort to his recital. And third, he wanted to either subjugate or slaughter humankind, hoping that God would grow to disavow the planet and leave it to the devil. And considering his success, Satan has been the best of schemers. Christianity and its New Testament, Judaism and the Talmud, contributed mightily towards that end. But it wasn't enough. And while Islam would prevail in turning men into mass murdering monsters and would enslave the dim-witted by the millions, even billions, mm-hmm. smart people continue to interfere, saying things like this about the Quran. Verses 31 and 32. And when our verses of the Quran are recited to them, they say, indeed, we have listened, and if we wanted to, we could say the like of this. This is nothing but the tales of former people. And when they said, "Ah Lahuma, if this is the truth from you, stones rain down from the sky upon us and bring us a painful torment. In other words, there is no chance that you're telling us the truth. These are the men and women who knew Muhammad the best, and their voice is repeated 400 times in the Quran, telling us why they did not believe him. The most common and repeated theme in the Quran appearing 400 times in 114 surahs. It is unlikely that they said the former but implausible that anyone would have said the latter, but nonetheless, this is the Quran. While the hadith has been explicit, showing the history of Kaaba custodianship, Allahu wanted to claim the somewhat lucrative pagan scam on behalf of his messenger, and even though Muhammad and Muslims would continue to perform the rituals the same way as their pagan benefactors had, well, the pagans were wrong, even though Islam would copy everything they did. But not is Allahu that he punishes them while you are among them, and not is Allahu the one who punishes them while they seek forgiveness. But what for them to not punish them, Allahu, while they hinder from the Masjid, the mosque of Al-Haram, the forbidden, while they are not its guardians, not its guardians except the ones who fear. And most of them do not know. Yet, yeah, uh, interesting. The, uh, the word haram, very famous in Islam, it means forbidden. So the number one mosque in the world, which is the one around the Kaaba, is called the Forbidden Mosque. Isn't that interesting? Their salat, obligatory prostration prayer at the house was, nothing but whistling and clapping, so taste the punishment because you used to p- disbelieve. Lo, verily, those who disbelieve spend their wealth to hinder from the way of Allah, so they continue to spend it, but it will become an anguish to them, and they will never overcome, and those who disbelieve will be gathered into hell. In order that Allahu may distinguish the wicked disbelievers and polytheists from the good believers of Islamic monotheism and put some of the wicked on others, he's going to heap them all together and cast them into hell. Those, they, the disbelievers, are the losers. Say to those who have disbelieved, if you cease and assist, it will be forgiven of you. Now, how can he say that after he just said, I will never forgive them? But if you return to them, verily, then examples of those who were punished before have already preceded them. What we will soon discover is that Allah was promising to punish everyone who rejected him, beginning with the resurrection on the day of doom. And while You are there, and speaking uh, of forgiveness, that mantra was completely inconsistent with every Quran recital, including this one. Further, according to a long list of hadith, many of which we uh, will and have reviewed, the Quraysh were the custodians of the house, which is another name for the pagan rock pile known as the Kaaba. Almost all of the religious rites associated with it were in vogue long before Islam was invented, including the surrounding area, uh, calling it a mosque, where prostration prayers were mandated and the Hajj was ordained. There is no question that Allah intends to roast all disbelievers in hell, but the idea of keeping them one on top of another is a bit crude, even for Islam's God. As for relenting, according to many other surahs, this is not allowed. And He said in the 38th verse, Allah is inferring that since he previously terrorized and destroyed untold number of mythical people and places that his prior destructive behaviors would come to haunt these disbelievers. You know, it's interesting. Yahweh doesn't give a crap if you disbelieve. You can let's disbelieve until the cows come home. He doesn't care. No punishment. <laughs> no acknowledgment from. Doesn't even talk about you. Doesn't even care. And for Allah, it's a conniption fit. Torture mm-hmm. upon torture. And fight them. This is Quran eight thirty nine. One of the most disturbing verses in the Quran. Allah is advocating genocide. And fight them Until there is no more Fitna, disbelief By worshipping others And the religion, all of it Is for Lillahi And the whole of the world Fight them Until there is no more disbelief By worshipping others And the religion, all of it Is for The God and all of the world. And if they turn away, then know that Allah, your protector, the protector excellent, the helper extraordinaire. Muslims are therefore commanded by their God in the Quran to fight and kill all non-Muslims until the only religion is Islam. Period. No ifs, no buts about it. The war only ends if the disbelievers become Muslims. So long as this verse remains in the Quran, Islam isn't salvageable. It cannot be endured or appeased. It must be exposed and condemned, quarantined or expunged. Now back to the business of religion. 41st verse reads, And know that whatever you attain in war booty, Verily, one-fifth of it is assigned to God and to his Rasul messenger and to the near relations of Muhammad and also the orphans like Muhammad and the needy and the wayfarer addressing Muhammad. If you have belief (laughs) in Allahi and in what we sent down to our slave on the day of criterion when the two forces met, the Battle of Badar, and Allahu on everything all-powerful. When you were on the near side of the valley, and they on the far side, and the caravan on the ground lower than you, even if you had made a mutual appointment to meet, you would certainly have failed in the appointment. But you met that Allahu might accomplish a matter already ordained that those who were to be destroyed for rejecting the faith might be devastated after a clear sign, and those who were to live might live after a clear proof. And surely, Allah is all-hearer, all-knower. When Allah showed them in your dream as few, if he had shown them to you as many, you would surely have been discouraged, and you would surely have disputed in the matter. But Allah saved you, all knower of what is in the breasts. And when you met the disbelievers on the day of the Battle of Badar, he showed them to you as few in your eyes, and he made you as few in their eyes, so that Lahu might accomplish the matter already ordained. And destined, and Allah He, return all matters. Should anyone listening to this be of the belief that Muhammad was an honorable and moral man, and that Allah might be God, think again. The non-profit was only interested in an easy score, the maximum plunder, and the least amount of effort or risk. The ungod wanted believers to murder their relatives and neighbors in an act of revenge. To validate his religion. It was proof that Islam is a criminal enterprise and I find that unacceptable, which is one of many reasons I am a staunch opponent of the Quran and the religion. How about you? Yes. Allah is a war god. He was not the first, but thankfully he will be the last. 845. Yeah. O oh, you who believe, when you meet a party, a faction or force, whether a community or a group, take a firm stand against them and remember Allah much so that you might be successful and obey Allah and his messenger and do not dispute. Yes, lest you lose courage and your strength departs and you falter and be steadfast Surely Allah is with those who persevere. The un-God of Islam preferred muscle to mouths, bite to bark. 47th verse. And be not like those who come out of their homes boastfully, showing off to the people while hindering them from the way of Allah. And Allah is encircling and encompassing them, enclosing upon them in all they do. He's saying, if you're not going to lay down your life and kill for me, then you're nothing to me. Now, Allahu has plotted and predestined this entire affair to promote himself. He has instilled mm-hmm. his hooligans with an overriding sense of superiority. And now, because he is attributing all of this to Satan, at the very least, they are in the same neighborhood, working together and towards the same end. Moreover, should we distinguish between Allah and Satan, both the ungod and the adversary have the ear of Muslims. The only point of departure appears to be ethical. Satan does not want to be associated with armed robbery and murder, while Allah is all over it, like Muhammad was on a six year old forty eight
0: verse
1: when al satan, the adversary, Satan, made their deeds seem appealing, attractive, and alluring, good and fair, even right, to them, and he said. No man can overcome or defeat you today. And verily, I am with you and for you, among you, and alongside you as an ally. Well, just like Allah, right? I was supposed to be speaking. It's hard to dis- distinguish between the two of them. It mm-hmm. is. But when the two forces came in sight, he turned on his heels and he ran away. He said, mm-hmm. verily. I am free of you, not responsible. I'm guiltless of this matter. Verily, I see what you don't perceive. Verily, I fear Allah, ha, and Allah who is severe in punishment. It's not often that the morality of a wannabe god is called into question by the devil. Nevertheless, <laughs> that's how this reads.
0: <laughs>
1: Satan balked, and allah. Jumps in with both feet. Well, he would have if snakes had feet. The following <laughs> criterion is somewhat accurate. It's the uh, 49th verse. When the hypocrites and those who in whose hearts was a disease of disbelief said, these people, Muslims, are deluded and deceived by their religion. <laughs> but whoever puts an Allah he, then verily Allah ha, is almighty, all-wise. When we read the Mismore, Psalms like the 91st, we discover that Yahweh deploys his Malak, his spiritual messengers, to protect those he loves. Allah wants uh, to use them to abuse people, which is just the opposite. Turns out his Malak are similarly satanic. And since they are responding to Allah's orders, wouldn't that make the statement infer that Allah is Satan? 50 verse. <laughs> and if you could see what the Al-Malakatu, the Malak, take away the souls of those who disbelieve. They beat their faces and they strike their backs, taste the punishment of burning in the blazing fire. <laughs> they sound just like al too. And that is what your hands have sent forth. And lo, verily, Allah is not unjust to his slaves, not just unjust to everyone else. (laughs) As a warning to Muslims, Allah is addressing those he's tormenting in the fire as little Abidi, as his slaves. (laughs) turns out submitting to the devil might be a bad idea. Who knew? Lacking credibility born of impotence, Satan feels compelled to claim credit for those who were never under his purview, and even then he cannot help but steal such stories without flubbing them. In reality, prior to the Exodus, the people of Pharaoh were neither rejecters nor disbelievers. Their opinions and their religious beliefs were never called into uh, um, question, and neither they nor Pharaoh, uh, who was the Third, were seized or punished in, uh, in the process. So 852. Similarly to the way the people of Pharaoh, we'll give them a credit for not being able to pronounce Pharaoh, and those before <laughs> them, they rejected and disbelieved the alat, ayat, the proofs, verses, and signs of Allah, and Allah who sees them punishing them for their sins. Verily, Allah is strong. He's powerful. He's severe in retribution and punishment. You know, I've, I've read that uh, translated a number of times, the Exodus account. I don't recall the uh, a story about the residents of Mitzrayim being unbelievers. I don't recall them being seized. I don't recall them being punished. I don't recall hmm. them receiving uh, any verses from uh, Moshe either. Conversation was with Pharaoh, yeah. and even Pharaoh hmm. uh, didn't endure any of this. But that scenario, the truth, didn't suit Allahu's ambition. So if Allahu were one billionth as strong or as severe as he protests, planet Earth would go poof and life on it would be no more. That has been his goal since the beginning. He hates people. If yes. this next statement were true, then the Quran wouldn't be filled with so many contradictions that it required Allah to explain how to abrogate them and forget them. Further, the notion of God Hearing and knowing everything that humans throughout the ages have thought, said, and done, could make the job miserable. In fact, mm-hmm. It could make it intolerable. Even God couldn't be God if uh, that's what occurred. That's <laughs> <laughs> seriously no; it'd be impossible. That's why God says I yeah, don't that do makes it. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Why would He want to make Himself miserable? That is because Allah is not one who changes a favor which he bestowed on a people until they change. <laughs> you install a favor, and somebody changes, and you renege on that favor. Who's the one reneging? <laughs> Sorry. And Lo Verily, uh, he needs an editor in the worst way. I can recommend some no really doubt. good ones. Okay. I just don't work for so I can't have it. Yeah, uh, and he, uh, repeating A lie makes it irritating, not true. The Egyptians uh, mm-hmm. and the people of Pharaoh did not deny, and they were not destroyed. Further, only the only people drowned were a regiment of Pharaoh's army, and uh, that was mm-hmm. Yahweh's doing to protect his people, not Allah's. And it had nothing to do with what they believed. I don't think there was mm-hmm. a poll taken of what they believed at the time. And the way of the people of Pharaoh and those who, from before them, they denied the signs of their Lord, so we destroyed them for their sins, and we drowned the people of Pharaoh, and all were disbelievers and polytheists and wrongdoers. Can't do anything. He's totally impotent. So all they can do is take credit for others, the work of others, but he even flubs that. Allah, he is a thin-skinned and wee-brained reptile, though the serpent is caught in the ultimate catch-22. He isn't clever enough to make a convincing case that he is God, and so those who retained free will universally rejected him. And since he was mm-hmm. risking everything on this ploy, he remained as desperate as he was frustrated. All he can do is bluster and berate. As we progress through the final score of pronouncements and this surah of death, I will strive to give full explanation and expression to the text, reflecting the insights revealed throughout the array of interlinears and translations that are available to us. I don't want anyone bereft of Allah's appraisal. And as we venture deeper into this inverted realm, remember that if there is a parenthetical, and I will try to bring them to your attention um, such as one that includes tanks, planes, missiles, and artillery. Uh, they were supplemental to the recital, but deemed as necessary by the translators to resolve grammatical omissions and to convey the intended meaning. Quran 8.55, Lo, verily, worst of beastly creatures before He, those who disbelieve and they will never believe. Those who you made a covenant, vowed an oath and agreed to a pledge, but they break their covenant. They violate their oath and their pledge every time, and they do not fear. Allah, he is a very simple creature, an uncomplicated beast. Believe or die, or don't believe and die. It matters not so long as everybody dies. Believer is killing disbelievers, and then themselves to the point of extinction. Therefore, his covenant, the one that the apostates violated, was the Pledge of Aqaba, where they vowed to wage war against all humankind. Those who, in a bout of conscience, deemed it immoral to engage in armed robbery, kidnapping, and murder, and decided not to terrorize their former friends and family, are now the most vile of creatures in the beast's eyes. And while this is a preposterous position, it is mm-hmm. made even more so by the realization that Allah insists that former believers will never believe, and that vows are never upheld. Then why bother? Yeah. Allah's solution to, to both problems is more fear. Well, mm-hmm. it's at least Machiavellian of him. What follows, while unprecedented in religion, was actually exceedingly common among ruthless empires. There were some exceptions, such as Cyrus the Great. But for the most part, kings and emperors were grotesquely savage in their assault. It wasn't mm-hmm. just about winning battles, but about being so brutal and cruel that the victims would dare not revolt. Quran 857. So when you fight them, and if you gain control and dominance over them in the battle, the war, strike fear in them and punish them severely in order to make an example of them. Frighten them off and disperse those who are behind and support them so that they may learn a lesson and be deterred. I wonder how the International Criminal Court would deal with a profession that orders people to act in that way, the way they behaved on October 7th. So when you fight them, don't worry about the.
0: Civilians,
1: don't worry about women and children. No, when you fight them and you gain control over them in battle, strike fear of them and punish them severely in order to make an example of them. Frighten them off and disperse those who are behind them and those who support them. So they might learn a lesson and be deterred. This is the mindset of Muslims. It yeah. is the Quran. This is what Allah said, what he ordered, what he demanded. And Muhammad did. This That's is not an interpretation of Islam. This is not radical Islam. This is not extremist <coughs> Islam. This it is, Islam. is Islam. There mm-hmm. is no other Islam other than the Islam of the Quran. Now, of course, this approach, among sane jurors, would be held as a war crime, unless, of course, it was Mm -hmm. perpetrated by Muslims against Jews, under which circumstances those defending themselves would be the new criminals. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Here's your sign. It says, I'm effing stupid. Yes. Although this is how wars have been fought and empires have been imposed, the difference here is substantial because this was written at what was perceived to be a religious text. And so rather than condemning it, as is the proper response, the savagery it inspires and authorizes is is colorated. It's accepted. It's respected. It gets an audience in the International Criminal Court. This is the insanity of the unthinking mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Those who would advance the immoral, irrational, and suicidal notion of rewarding the approach delineated here in the Quran and that is carried out by jihadists with the prize Muslims seek on behalf of their anti-Semitic lord offering them a state carved out of Israel. Those who would advance this are either unaware of the contents of the 8th surah, well, they don't give a shit. And yeah. amongst such immoral ignoramuses would be almost every progressive, socialist, communist, fascist, or jurist on the International Criminal Court. And of course, of course, most Christians and Muslims, it is as if they aren't smart enough to recognize that those who seek to annihilate Jews today will turn on Christians tomorrow and then on atheists, on agnostics, and then on themselves. Ron h 58. If you suspect treachery or see signs of disloyalty from any people, including their allies, then you may disregard and renounce your treaty with them and retaliate by breaking it off Certainly, Allah dislikes the treacherous. Allah, known to Muslims as Allah, just announced that agreement of any kind, written or oral, political or religious, economic or militaristic, with a Muslim isn't worth the breath or ink to convey it. In fact, it is counterproductive because it provides a false sense of security. All Israel must do to appreciate this reality is to consider the result of Oslo or the withdrawal from Gaza. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. According to Allah, agreements are not only renounceable and revocable, they are the means to retaliation and treachery. For in the end, the Lord of War wants nothing less than total capitulation. And that is only possible when all hope is lost. Quran 59, nine, eight surah. And let not those who disbelieve think that they can prevail or outperform or escape. Verily, they will never be able to defend themselves from Allah's punishment. No, Thankfully, it's not true. The best way to prevail is to reach out to Yahweh, accept his birth, attend the Mikrait. By so doing, Allah's Slavish militants are incapacitated. For the rest of humanity, be aware. This is your fate. Quran 860. And make ready against them whatever force and firepower you can muster. Every obtainable transport of military equipment that you can mobilize, including war mounts within the parenthetical tanks, planes, missiles and artillery in the parenthetical, threaten and terrify the enemy of Allahi and your enemy and others besides whom you don't even know at this point, but whom Allahu who does know, and whatever you spend. And the cause of Allahi shall be fully repaid to you, and you will not be treated unjustly. Oh, yes, jihad is a spiritual struggle because make ready against them whatever force and firepower you can muster. Every obtainable transport of military equipment you can mobilize, including war mounts, to threaten and terrify the enemy of Allah, He and your enemy and others besides them. And spend, baby, spend in Allah's cause. You'll be fully repaid, huh? Yeah, it sure will be. And it will be repayment to the message of the eighth surah, the result of the pledge of war. The fact that it is allowed to persist is a consequence of treating Islam as a religion rather than a terrorist manifesto. I've been saying this now for 22 years. Islam is not going to reform or moderate itself. Since the Quran is Islam, nothing will change. It was conceived to annihilate humankind. Muslims will continue to arm themselves and to justify jihad until there is no one left to plunder or kill. So should you be the last victim, please do the responsible thing and turn out the lights on the human experience. Mankind survived the beasts of Rome, of Roman Catholicism, and the Third Reich, but not Islam. While not capable of destroying the world on its own merits, oil and nonsense have led to alliances which if not curtailed by God himself, would otherwise bring humanity to its knees. In Islam, peace is synonymous with capitulation. And it is as enduring as man's life ebbs with a knife at his throat. The people of the lands to be subjugated by the devil and his advocates do not need to attack Muslims to be attacked by them. They are justified in fighting if someone is suspected of disavowing Islam, and it doesn't take much, since Muslims are almost uniformly and universally conspiratorial and dim-witted. Mm-hmm. Eight Surah, sixty-first verse. And if they incline to peace, then you incline to it. Put your trust in Allah. He indeed, He is the All-Hearer. I thought he said them until the only religion was Islam. Maybe he doesn't have much of a memory. But they intend <laughs> to deceive you, then surely Allah who is sufficient for you. He is the one who supported you with his help with the believers by giving you followers. Imagine that. Satan is telling those he has deceived that the people he hasn't managed to bewilder are those who intended to beguile. What follows is exceedingly important. According to the Quran, Muslims are, uh, are of the mind, feelings, and intent of uniform, uh, the same. Therefore, someone who advocates peace cannot be part of the Islamic family. As for the believers, he has attuned their hearts, uniting them. If you had spent whatever is on the entirety of the earth, you could not have attuned, united, or bound their hearts. But Allah united and bound them. Indeed, he is almighty, all wise. I think we saw that all around the world with all of the protests against Israel.
0: Isn't it amazing?
1: Are, have you seen the the, uh, the little rat that... Uh, that Flung its, flipped its finger at the at the eagle, when the hooties and their and their sandals and their AK-47s and their little robes and their uh, putt-putt boats, are declared war on the United States. Yeah. Are. <laughs> okay. I mean, do they have they any idea how stupid they look? Okay. O oh, Prophet, sufficient for you is Allah who and ever follows you of the believers. Ah, let there be no mistake. Islam is a call to arms. Quran 6, or excuse me, 8, O oh, Prophet, urge, inspire, and motivate the believers to the fight, conquering all fear of death. If there are 20 steadfast among you, they will overcome 200. And if there are a hundred steadfast persons, they will overcome a thousand of those who disbelieve, because they are the believers, and the disbelievers are without intelligence, comprehension, or understanding, said the God out of those people who have an average IQ of below seventy. All righty. Here's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Here a prophet <laughs> is a proponent of, un-
0: <laughs>
1: not very often yet you get to debate people who have a third of your IQ, <laughs> but that's just the case with <laughs> Islam. God wanted an easy patsy. Here a, <clears throat> here a prophet is a proponent of unmitigated war, not someone who is predicting the future. That's a new definition of prophet. So if you're a proponent of unmitigated, unending, vicious slaughter, you are the new prophet. And we know that because Allahu claims to have proven reliable uh, these assertions. In fact, just the opposite is true. In battles today, this is what's so interesting. Muslims and non-Muslims, between them, the ratios are inverted. Rather than 20 overcoming 200, More typically, 100 Muslims fall for every one non-Muslim combatant. Mm -hmm. So, since Allah's promise is proven invalid, in fact, it's inverted, why haven't Muslims held their wannabe gods' feet to the fire? Hasn't he disqualified himself as someone who can be trusted? But alas, Mm -hmm. Satan has a cure for that, too. Projecting the universal stupidity of Muslims on everybody else. It's the non-Muslims who lack intelligence. After all, they don't understand the incomprehensible Quran. Proof positive. I'm sure I read some surahs to you that you just said, huh? you're stupid. Yes. (laughs) Evidently. Knowing that he was going, uh, that he was all uh, uh, spit and no substance. Allahu immediately downgraded his estimate from 10 to 1 to 2 to 1. This is, this is rapid abrogation, Quranic style. Quran 866. Now Allahu has lightened your task, for he knows that there is weakness in you. So if there are among you a hundred steadfast persons, they shall overcome and vanquish 200. And if there are a thousand of you, they will overcome 2,000 with the permission of Allahi, and Allah who is with the steadfast and persistent. Well, the common weakness among Muslims are exposure to Islam, Allah, Muhammad, and the Quran. For these things, the toxic is uh, so debilitating, there is no cure. Well, in the annals of human history, one would have to look long and hard to find something this contrary to human decency. But nonetheless, Quran 8, 67. It is not for a prophet to take or keep captives as prisoners until he has made a great slaughter and conquest, completely subduing others in the land. It is not for a prophet to take and keep captives as prisoners until he has made a great slaughter, completely subduing others in the land. Well, this affirms that Muhammad was a vicious and immoral pirate. It means that he slaughtered his kin, former neighbors, and extended family members. And he did it. Killing merchants. He was merciless. He was unrestrained while murdering civilians. It also means that he uh, kidnapped for ransom. He profited from slavery. And he did these things for money, not for religion. He did so with his God's approval. Even worse, Allah presents Muhammad as the ideal paradigm, as the perfect role model for Muslims Mm -hmm. to follow. On October 7th, 2023, Muslims did both of these things concurrently. I don't know if that's acceptable in Islam. Can you slaughter and, and kidnap simultaneously? Or must one slaughter first and kidnap second? As a good Muslims, following Muhammad's example and believing in the Quran, they massacred and kidnapped simultaneously, multitasking, which is odd for dimwits, They also tried to conquer and subdue the land of Israel. It was a Quranic symphony of sour notes, a funeral dirge for the human race. To be a good Muslim, massacre first with masculine carnage while deploying all available weaponry, then kidnap second. They uh, steal after great slaughter. This is Islam, according to Muhammad, according to Allah, and the Sunnah, even the Quran. They all concur that there is no dissenting voice in matters of jihad. The 67th verse of the 8th surah continues with this dual indictment. You desire the goods and possessions of the world, i.e., the money and ransom that Allah who desires the hereafter, and Allah who is almighty, all-wise. Well, that was true enough. And for both of them, men like Muhammad craved things, while demons like Allahu want nothing of this life or the material world. Satan wants it to all go away, humans included, leaving him to gloat and to strut about alone. This is the intent of the day of doom for which Satan longs at that moment, he anticipates eliminating the stars, the sun, the moon, the sky, the mountains, and the earth, even life past and present. Fortunately, he lacks the power and authority to do so, to do really any of these things. And it is he who will be dispatched, never to be heard from again. As we examine the first 90 verses chronologically in the Quran we discover that the Lord of the Quran is fixated on the notion of tormenting humankind and inflicting the most horrendous punishments conceivable. It is the reason for the threatened day of resurrection because he needs to reconstitute dead bodies to inflict the torments he envisions. And here, Hell's Warden is even tempted to torment his own prophet. 868. If it were not for the previous ordainment from Allah, and predetermined intent, a severe punishment and an awful doom would have fallen you, Muhammad, for what you took. Once upon a time, before Islam, slaughtering, pillaging, and enslaving were considered immoral, even reprehensible. But Allah fixed all of that. He is most merciful to the merciless. So enjoy and eat what you took as lawful and good booty, good plunder, and fear, Allah, lo, verily, Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. So how are you enjoying Islam, my friends? Is this what you expected? Honestly, is there anyone who thought that the Quran could be this bad. It's a recipe for genocide. Correct. And cannibalism. the eat what you have taken, the only thing that he has acknowledged as booty has been people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And was not... Oh, that's disgusting. This was not, however, the first time that Satan has endorsed cannibalism. Human flesh and blood... Or on the menu during Ezekiel's presentation of the Feast of the Beast. When Satan intends to celebrate when he comes into Jerusalem in the years prior to Yahweh's return. He wants to eat the Messiah dove no, and drink his blood. Mm-hmm. Well it, it's not it is appropriate. To... Yeah, to surmise that Allah intends to be most merciful. To the most merciless. Hopefully you recognize that this snake is laughing through his fangs and popping out of his scales when he calls himself off, forgiving and most merciful, especially after expounding upon the virtues of grand larceny, armed robbery, kidnapping for ransom, and effecting a great slaughter. If not, please hang up the phone. If you have a copy of the book, please set it down and back away from it before you slobber and drool all over it and preclude someone else from being able to read it. This is how um, Muslims, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm not sorry at all. It, I, the having, only way that I I have been right. doing this now uh, for the last several months, rewriting Prophet of Doom, doing so 14 hours a day as uh, mm-hmm. now goddamn religion. It's going to be uh, darn near 3,000 pages when it's done. Um, and uh, if it were not for sarcasm, uh, I don't think it would yeah. be, I don't think I could endure it. I mean, I, I know that I'm doing it because Yahweh wants his people to be saved from this horrendous disease. That mm-hmm. Yahweh wants his people to understand the plague of Islam and so that they don't pretend that there's someone called a fake Estonian, so that they don't pretend that they can negotiate with these mass murderers so they don't pretend the problem is Hamas or Hezbollah or Iran so that they know that the problem is Islam. I am doing this the one thing that makes it tolerable is occasionally um dropping in something that is sarcastic and uh, and a twisted funny way of of trying to look at this it is it's the also uh, what they hate yes yeah, the elia and and uh, me uh, mm-hmm. i it and <laughs> I, I like poking fun at stupid and yeah. this is stupid yeah Boy. It? Well, while it is appropriate to surmise that Allah intends to be the most merciful to the most merciless. Otherwise, he's lying. The 71st of the uh, 8th, surah reads, O Prophet, say to whoever is in your hands of the captives and the prisoners, if Allah who knows in your hearts any good, then he will give you better than what was taken from you, and he will forgive you. Oh, Allah, who is all off-forgiving, most merciful. In Islam, wrong is right, bad is good. The religion inverts reality. With Satan as God, stealing is so beneficial, the victim should be appreciative. After all, in Islam, it's those who have been raped, who have been robbed, who have been abused, who need forgiveness. That's what this just said. Yep. If, you, if you've got a good attitude about being raped and robbed and your family murdered, then, then Allah's going to forgive you. I, I swear this has got to be on the charter of the International Criminal Court. I mean, it's the most immoral thing I, I could ever imagine reading. The victims are being forgiven. Yep. All that's needed to make everything right is for Islam's victims to see the benefit of being attacked by Muslims. After all, Allah does not like being great. I have said it before and I will say it again. Muhammad was not a prophet, but instead a psychopath. And while he failed at being religious, he became an accomplished sand pirate. He became a mass murderer, a terrorist, a kidnapper, and a slave trader. He was good at those things. Based upon the claims made in the Quran, we can know with absolute certainty that Allah is not God. He isn't even lucid or sane. This is the most pathetic audition for the role of Almighty ever attempted. The Quran reigns supreme as the worst book ever written. It's repulsive and rotten. It's delirious and demonic. In light of the Eighth Surah and many more like it, the only way to argue in favor of Islam would be to lie and to hope the audience is equally ignorant, irrational, and immoral. And while there are billions of Muslims, progressives, and other ignoramuses protesting and clamoring in favor of this death cult, to what end? other than the cessation of liberty and life in the ultimate expression of cancel culture. But alas, everyone becomes a pariah and parasite. And when that happens, who is there to ponder? Continuing to address the merchants whose associates Muhammad had slaughtered at his God's insistence, who had been robbed of their possessions by these Muslims, and who were now captives, having been kidnapped and held for ransom, we read. <clears throat> but if they intended to betray you, lo, verily, they have betrayed Allah who before, so he gave you power and mastery over them. Allah who is all-knower, all-wise. The great betrayer does not want to be betrayed by those he betrayed. When the devil is considered to be God, then those who have been raided and robbed, kidnapped, or killed to validate his religion are deemed to have betrayed the trust so essential to maintaining harmonious relationships between assailants and their victims. You will be (laughs) plundered and like it, or they will kill you. Uh, The reason that Satan has devoted the Eighth Syrup to dehumanizing his prey such that Muslims can religiously steal and slaughter slaughter them is that they refuse to believe that Satan was God, that a psychopath was a prophet, and that this drivel was divine. All of the fuss and feathers are over this issue, a lack of faith and, and capitulation to the devil. For that there will be a grievous punishment, and humanity will burn should he continue to prevail. It is Islam against the world. Quran 872. Lo, verily, those who believe, and those who emigrated, and jihad strove hard and fought with their property and their lives in the cause of Allah, and those who gave asylum, shelter, and help, some of them, are allies of another. And those who did not believe and did not, Tajar, emigrate, and did not for you from their protection anything until they emigrate. But if they seek your help in the religion, upon you to help them, except against the people with whom you have an alliance. And Allah who is all seer of what you do. It's interesting that... There are three criterions that Muslims must meet. They must believe lies. They must leave their homes and families, including the Kaaba, and flee to a place not their own and steal it from Jews. And they must be jihadists, fighting and killing, plundering and enslaving in Allah's cause. That's what this last statement stated. And it's all over the Quran. The first of these bereaves the individual of family and friends. The second will cost that person their soul. And the third will take their mortal lives. But, heck, it's a small sacrifice for the opportunity to have constant sex with boys and girls in paradise. The second half of the sentence is a bit of an enigma. While Allahi may have meant to say that those who provided asylum, shelter, and assistance to the Islamic refugees are counted among them, that is not how it reads. Nor is it consistent with what was about to devolve the Jews who had done these things on behalf of the newly minted Muslims because they would soon die. Moreover, those who did not leave their homes to fight were considered apostates, not helpers. In the second sentence, the intent is to say that if a Muslim remained behind in Cabaville and did not follow Muhammad across the desert to Yathrib, then phooey on them. Even if they were to seek assistance in the failed religion, now that Muhammad had become a fan pirate, all bets were off. And since it is Islam against the world, all people, places, races, and nations are either Muslim or enemies. And while that makes the Islam of the Quran incompatible with all else, it's what follows that is so devastating. Quran 873. And those who disbelieve are allies of one another. So if you Muslims do not do this, make victorious Allah's religion of Islam, there will be fitna, turmoil, and oppression, persecution, and confusion on earth, and great mischief and corruption. A religion named Islam Submission The most repressive and oppressive in human history is telling Muslims that they must do the three things itemized in the previous verse or endure persecution and remain confused. Rather than slaughter, plunder, and kidnapping being mischievous and corrupt, the world would be better if there was more of these things. Well, I disagree. The more you come to know about this religion, the more obvious it becomes that the world would be better off without Muhammad, Allah, the Quran, Islam, or Muslims. Neither God nor I are fans of Judaism or Christianity, progressives or conspiratorialists, right-wingers in politics or patriots. But they are only ancillary problems relative to Islam. And should you be interested in these rebukes, Consider Babel, questioning Paul, or an introduction to God. Driving this dubious delirium home, Allah who continues to tout Aman, faith, Hajar, migration, and jihad fighting as the three pillars of Islam. According to the Quran and its God, this is the essence of what defines a Muslim. And it's all for Allah. 878. And those who Amman believed and Hajar emigrated, and Jihad strove hard fighting in the cause of Allahi, as well as those who gave them asylum and shelter and Ansar aid, these are the true believers. For them is forgiveness and a generous provision and reward. Forgiveness is afforded to the unforgivable, Rewards are allotted to the unredeemable. These are Satan's scriptures, after all. Islam is Aman, hajar and jihad, and they are more valuable than blood. That is the book of Allah. Yeah. And those who aman believed afterwards and Hajar emigrated and jihad strove hard fighting among you than those who are of you because of blood. Some of them are nearer to another. Lo, verily, the book of Allahi, Allah, is knower of everything. He just said that those of you who value blood relations, who think that the spilling of blood might be wrong, then you are not counted among those who believe, those who emigrated, and those who fought jihad. You're not a Muslim if you value your own family or if you value life. Quran 875. Recognizing that this was recited by the first, excuse me, by the Islamic god, who inspired mass murder to establish the religion of Islam using the weapons of war? How does one interpret Islam as peaceful? Claim that Allah is a god? Categorize the Quran as a holy book? Or present jihad as a spiritual struggle? You can't. No, I'm not own words got just a couple of minutes left. I'll be able to read maybe two or three of these uh, hadith citations, so you have some idea of what actually happened here. When the Qurish advanced, Muhammad threw dust in the direction of their faces, and Allah put them to flight. Allah gave victory to his messenger and shamed the unbelievers and satisfied the Muslims' thirst for revenge. Yes, Muhammad's contribution is he picked up a handful of dirt, and he threw dust in their direction. The Apostle when he saw them cried out, Allah, they called me a liar. Destroy them this morning. Awad, an ill natured man, took the field and Hama came out to meet him, and in the encounter Hama cut off Aswad's foot and half of his leg. And Hama pursued him and struck a blow, killing Aswad. After this Uba took the field and issued a challenge to single combat. Three young Ansar Muslims came forward to meet him. Hama and Ali then turned to and their swords, and they finished him off, and they finished, they lifted up their companion to safety. His foot had been cut off, and the marrow was flowing out of his leg. And they brought him to Muhammad, and he said, Am I not a martyr, O messenger of Allah? Yes, indeed, the prophet replied. <coughs> Muhammad turned towards his new quibble and said, If Allah, if this band perishes today, you will be worshipped no more, Abu Bakr picked up his cloak and put it on him, grasping him from behind. O oh, prophet, whom I value more than my mother and father, this constant calling on your Lord is annoying. <laughs> then <Allah> reveals <laughs> a Quran recital. Then Gabriel, holding the rein of a horse and leading the charge, and he is equipped with weapons and ready for the battle. There is dust upon his front teeth. Gabriel came to the prophet and said, how do you view the warriors of Badr? The prophet said, I see the fighters as the best Muslims on that, Gabriel said, and so are the angels who are participating in this battle. The prophet said, he was uh, in his awning, and Allah, keep your contact. He said, Allah, keep your contract and promise to me. Abu Bakr took his hand and said, that is enough, prophet. You have tired your Lord today with your pestering. <laughs> Allah, Allah, Allah's messenger uh-huh. went out to his men and incited them to fight. He promised, every man may keep all of the booty he takes. Then Muhammad said, by Allah, if any man fights today and is killed in the fighting aggressively, going forward and not retreating, Allah will cause him to enter paradise. Umar, who was holding some dates in his hand and eating them, said, fine, fine. This is excellent. Nothing stands between me and my entering paradise except to be killed by these people. He threw down his face, he seized his sword, and he fought until he was slain. Peshach 300, I am fighting in Allah's service. It is piety and a good deed. In Allah's war, I do not fear as others should, for this fighting is righteous, true, and good. O messenger of Allah, what makes the Lord laugh with joy at his servant? He replied when he plunges his hand into the midst of an enemy without armor. Muhammad picked up a handful of pebbles, and he faced the Quraysh and he shouted, May their faces be deformed! He threw the pebbles at them, and he orders his companions to attack. The foe was routed. Allah killed the Quraysh chief and caused many of their neighbors' nobles to be taken captives while the Muslims were taking prisoners. The messenger was in his hut. As the Muslims were laying their hands on as many prisoners as possible and as they could catch, the prophet saw disapproval in the face of Saad, and he said, why are you upset by taking captives? Saad replied, this was the first defeat by by Allah on the infidels. Slaughtering the prisoners would have been more pleasing to me. The prophet faced the Kaaba and invoked evil on the Quraysh people, specifically cursing a list of them, including Abu Ja'al. He says, I bear witness by Allah that I saw them all as dead, as putrefied in the sun, as Badar was a very hot day. I found Abu Ja'al in the throes of death. I put my foot on his neck because he had grabbed me once in Mecca. Then I said, has Allah's disgrace reached you and put you to shame, O enemy of Allah? In what way has he disgraced me, he asked. Am I anything more important than a man whom you've killed? Tell me, to whom is the victory? I said, to Allah and his messenger. Abu Jal said, you should not be proud that you have killed me. I cut off Abu Jal's head, and I brought it to the messenger. I said, oh, Allah's prophet, this is the head of the enemy of Allah. Muhammad said, is this so by Allah, Then whom there is no other deity? This used to be the messenger of Allah's oath. I said yes, then I threw down his head before the prophet's feet, and he said, praise be to Allah. Muslims, take not my enemies as friends, offering them kindness when they reject Allah, the prophet Muhammad, and his Quran. And whoever does that then indeed has gone astray. You came out to fight in my cause, seeking my acceptance, so do not be friendly with them. It was criminal. Men could hardly imagine it. Muhammad was ennobled because of the bloody fighting. I swear we shall never lack for soldiers, nor army leaders, driving before us infidels until we subdued them with the halter above their noses and with a branding iron. We will drive them to the ends of the earth. We pursue them on horse and on foot. We will never deviate from our fighting in our cause. We will bring upon the infidels this fate. Any people that disobey Muhammad will pay for it. If you do not surrender to Islam, then you will live to regret it. You will be shamed in hell and forced to wear a garment of molten pitch forever. It's such a lovely story. Disgusting. I just thought we'd share that as Israel is brought before the International Criminal Court, who uh, has never bothered to charge Islam with the crime, the ultimate crime against humanity. Well, I thank you for listening. May Yahweh bless and spare. Yisrael, may Yehudim come to know the name of their God and the name of their Savior and Messiah so that they can reach out to and be part of his return as Yahweh and Dod celebrate the reconciliation of Yisrael just ten years from now. May Yah bless. May all of those who wish to learn more about these things go To yadaya.com, everything there is free. We want to save Israel from Islam. May Allah bless. Good night.
0: Good night.
1: Good night.